Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. We have a fantastic episode for all of you listeners today, as I am joined by friend of the program and 2022 NCAA singles champion, rising star in the professional tennis world, Ben Shelton, who joins us on today's show to discuss why now was the right time for him to end his collegiate career. Of course, I don't know if you've heard this, but he was coached by his father at the University of Florida, and together they captured both an NCAA team title in 2021, a singles title in 2022. But given the success he's had over his first six months as a pro, Ben decided now was the time for him to begin that professional career. And we explore the reasoning behind that decision with him here on today's show. We also have so much fun with Ben. I mean it when I say he is a friend of the program, far too tolerant of all of the nonsense we bring here on this show as such. He allows us to really nerd out about what he's learned about his game through his first few months of pro action, the things he plans on working on to continue to develop both from a tennis standpoint and physically how he balances his schedule between working on his game training in the, you know, training room. Hey, great shot. Good English there, Alex. But again, more broadly, we get into the weeds with our friend Ben, and it's certainly an enjoyable conversation. I know there's been a lot of Ben Shelton conversations over the course of the past few months on various platforms, but a wise man once said, you save the best for last. So hopefully we covered other aspects of things you haven't heard about from Ben yet. I think I did a good job of keeping this show fresh. Certainly, he always does a good job of being thoughtful, candid, and entertaining in his answers. So as you can see, I'm, or here probably, I'm smiling as I do this intro. Fun episode for all of you listeners today. Of course, a shout out to our friends at Swing Vision who offer us the resources to have these sorts of conversations, whether it be with Ben, with Ellen Perez, Ryan Harrison, so many of the great guests we've had of late here on this show. Of course, what does Swing Vision do? They are on the forefront of all artificial intelligence developing uh, developments happening Excuse me, within the sport. You want to learn more? Just download their app today. All you got to do, set it up on your phone, put it on the back fence and have it record you playing on the court and it'll do the rest from there. It'll break down your hitting session, show you the makes, the misses, how your unforced errors came, where they came within the rally, forehand wing, backhand wing, serves volleys. You can divide everything accordingly. Again, you're going to learn everything about your game and you're going to have access to the information in the palm of your hand to learn more. Click on the link in the description to this podcast, but just go hit that sign up. And when you do, use our promo code CRACK20. Not only will it let them know we sent you there, you'll get $20 off plus a free 14 pro date uh, pro trial for 14 day pro trial. Again, English rough here. We'll get there, folks. 14 day pro trial for all of you fans. And look, this is why you don't want to think for yourself. Sometimes your language malfunctions. Swing Vision going to think for you. Make it that much easier. Make it that much more efficient for you to improve your game. Learn more by clicking on the link in the description to this show. But with that said, let's get to it. Exciting conversation with the one and only Ben Shelton. Hey, crack fans. Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? 
success. Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of course, friends who use our Crack Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code Crack20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link? To get signed up, just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information, one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Joining us on the podcast again today is a man who is best described as the headline on ESPN in the article about him. Ben Shelton is poised to be the next big thing in American men's tennis. Certainly feels that way after the past nine months of results, and that is why we are thrilled to be joined by the 2022 NCAA singles champion, a man all of us have enjoyed watching over the past year. It is our friend Ben Shelton. Ben, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Uh, doing great. Thanks for having me again. Just uh, chilling in Gainesville right now and uh, thought it'd be a good time to uh, talk to you again. It's been a while, so yeah. I had to get back. No, I appreciate it. I won't lie. Was I offended when I saw post-NCAAs you went on with Cation? I was. <laughs> you know, It hurt my feelings, but um, I deserved it. I deserved it after some of the things I may have said about the Gators over the years. But no, it's great to get the chance to uh, finally chat with you. And you know, I got a lot of things I want to ask you about, but it's been a busy nine months you know, for any human, let alone someone who's still just 19 years old, you know, what has that transformation been like these past nine months? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a lot, um, fumbling the, or juggling the decision between going, uh, pro and going back to college. Uh, I mean, I love university of Florida. If anyone who's uh, listening can't tell, but, I uh, I really struggled with that decision and uh, what would be best and timing and I didn't want to rush anything so that was a big thing that was in my mind um, for the last um, couple months and I'm really really happy that I made the decision now either way and I can kind of go about my business but yeah it's been a lot of excitement uh, kind of my year of first I've heard a couple people call it but I've been able to do uh, a lot of things that I don't think I expected. Uh, this time last year. I think it's all coming together for me now. The reason you didn't come on this show is because you knew I would ask, are you going back to Florida? And you're like, I just don't want to deal with that right now. So I'm yeah. going to save that. <laughs> Alex, because he's going to try to get it out of me. <laughs> well, I can appreciate that. And, you know, again, that's a massive decision for any person to make. And I know you've discussed this in other places, but why at this time was ultimately the decision to leave the right one for you? 
Yeah, I think that uh, the momentum that I'd started to build, um, it was it was clear to me that I had I, I have the level to uh, keep progressing, um, that I'm going to be able to continue moving forward with my tennis in the direction I want to go um, while I continue doing school online. So I kind of I'm going to be able to get the best of both worlds and live in Gainesville, spend some time in Gainesville, but not have to go five plus months in the spring without playing a pro tournament um and then have another just go right back into the summer you know so i thought that it was kind of a big combination of things um i started try or i started kind of getting the right team around me uh things started falling into place so uh, i'm happy with uh, my decision Mm-hmm. Now, it certainly seems like one you are prepared to make, and I want to start because there are a bunch of different ways we could go with that question, but I want to start with the level because you talk about feeling your level was ready, and you look at the numbers this year, 19-8 and eight overall, and you know you play a really fun challenger final with Ebing Wu in Rome. You play another really fun one in Chicago as well. And then I'm sure the Casper Rude match is the one you get asked about. I'm going to veer away from that one because I was at the Sinego match. I was at both matches for what it was worth, but I was at the Sinego match and you played that in the Cincinnati Bowl, as I like to call it. That, you know, it's underground and kind of the stands are right above it. First of all, I feel like that's a pretty cool stadium. In terms of the setup, I'm curious what that atmosphere was like because, to me, it was a packed house. And to get that win in three sets, what did that one mean to you? That's the coolest court I've played on this summer. Um, so many guys, when they heard that I was playing on that court, he was like, top five court in tennis. I mean, it's tight. The Especially all the Americans. It's tight. The fans are packed right around you, and it's like, all this energy just like coming in, so uh, I uh, that was one of my favorite matches for sure against Sonego. I mean, he's one of the nicest guys that I've ever met. Met, but we were we were battling out there, and the crowd was into it, and uh, yeah, so I enjoyed that one. Um, and then talking about my level. Um, yeah, I think that repli- – I don't know what other question you might have or if I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think that replication is really important for me and the more that I can do things consistently at whatever level that may be, I'm like, okay, I can do this at this level. Let's let's move on or let's try to get a little bit higher or do this a little bit better. So that's kind of where my mindset's at, been at with that. No, that's a great follow-up for me because – or lead-in for me because I think anyone who's watched you play – and I'm not going to say the name of the player I asked this to, but I was asking about dealing with you on the ad side and you know your slice out wide, which I think anyone who's watched you play know that's the moneymaker, dare I say, moving forward. Um, I was like someone. I asked someone who had played you. I was like, "Tell me about that slice out wide." And they go, "Well, you know, if he makes it, you're just kind of f-ed because you know then he gets the first forehand, or you didn't make the return, and you have no idea where he's going, and just like you lose. It's as simple as that." And I was like, "Okay, like I think that's a pretty fair description." And you know, I think regardless of level, it felt like that was going to work. But you talk about the rest of your game. As you were able to test yourself, both at the challenger level and the pro level or ATP level, I'm curious what else you thought was or wasn't up to speed. Yeah, so I think that there's a few things that I do that make people uncomfortable at every level um, from what I've seen so far, except for maybe Cam Nori. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But um, 
I think that my ability to get the ball out of the zone um, on the serve, I mean, everyone can handle the fastball. There's enough big servers out there today that everyone can handle the fastball. But the one that's moving left to right, right to left, up and down, um, that's the ones that I found people have had trouble with. Um, there's some there's some things that definitely need to be polished in my game, though. I don't think that my footwork is um, as good as any other guy on, on tour or not any other guy on tour, but a lot of guys in the top 100, I think, are more polished movers. I think that, like, I'm fast, yeah, I'm, I'm explosive, but sometimes with the little steps or I recognizing a short ball, getting up to it, um, I found myself lacking in a few of those areas, and I've definitely put an emphasis on that in this last three- to four-week training block um, that I've had. So I think that's one of the things... Can I just interject there because that's a fascinating point. And sometimes watching you play in college, there were matches where I wondered and, you know, it was like for everyone, you're like speed up or hit the ball big or do these things. And for you, I felt like the message was always, hey, Ben, slow down. Do you feel like even at this ATP level that because even watching you, it still feels like there are times where it's like, hey, you know, slow down. It doesn't need to be that fast. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, (laughs) My dad and uh, the coach that I've been working with, Dean Goldfein, are like, man, we need to we need to get you over to Barcelona for like a month, go on, go on the red clay and just <laughs> slow everything down. So <laughs> good point that you made. Um, but yeah, I think that sometimes I get too excited, pull the trigger a little too early. And I think it's important for me to find a balance of playing the brand of tennis I want to play without rushing myself. Mm-hmm. No, completely fair. And then from a rankings perspective, I'm, I'm curious, was there a number you wanted to hit? Because you look right now, you're 172. Obviously, you have nothing to defend really between here and this the start of June next year. You know, was that something that you also did? Ha- and you sort of alluded to it earlier, but was that something that had to factor into your decision? Always, always in my mind, I was like, I was thinking kind of like if the, if I'm uh, if I'm like top 200 in the rankings and I'm getting in to every slam qualies and I can play a full challenger schedule and be in the main draw no matter what every time like and play some ATP events as well like am I going to want to go back to college and miss out on all that in the spring so that was definitely a thought in my head but like when it came down to my decision it wasn't like meet this number and I'm going to turn pro. It was, it was uh, more developmental based, uh, what was going to be best for me and my family. And uh, my dad's definitely uh, put that into my head that um, once you start thinking about the, the numbers and what ranking you're getting to and what points you have to defend for the next year, that's when you start to get tight and stop focusing on what's important, which is improving your tennis. And I know that I have a lot. I can improve in my game between now and June. And so I'm more concerned with kind of that that process. Mm-hmm. No, that's, first of all, Florida media training. You did a great job with Ben. That's a great answer. Um, and obviously, Shelton family, great job with Ben as <laughs> always. Um, now, it, can I, you know I pride myself on beating Parsa to Scoops. Can I announce the Delray Beach wildcard now? We can just lock that in, right? Like, I feel like that's one you're going to get. Delray Beach main draw. Like, just, I'm, I'm penciling that one in for Ben Shelton in his 2023 <laughs> schedule. 
you know, it'd be, it'd be great if I could get into that one main draw on my own. <laughs> yeah, good answer. That's the right answer once again. Um, no, that's, I mean, again, I think the results speak for themselves. And now to sort of move into the other component, and obviously, you know, I don't know if you know this, but your dad was a former pro player. I also don't know if you know this, but did you, you might have played for him at Florida. Did you know he was your coach? Because I don't think anyone's ever announced that. No, actually, he. I do remember he was my coach when I played at Florida. No, because right. I think it was Scotty Perlman. Because yeah. him, I saw. I saw a lot of Scotty. I didn't see much of Coach Shelton on your court, and so you know, just I feel like that's worth noting for sure. scholars moving forward. Um, sure. But you know, from a college perspective, and I don't mean to say this to disrespect the college game, because obviously. I think you know my respect for the level. Right. I think the results speak for themselves. So more, you know, double digits in terms of top 100 ATP singles players, 34 ATP top 100 doubles players. That said, for your game, did you feel like you needed, again, was there anything left to test it? That's the wrong way of saying it, but did you need to test it against the pros versus, again, going back to college for another season? Yeah, I mean, it was a tough one. Mm -hmm. Um the level in college is very good, obviously. And uh, I've always, I've always, when I talk to my parents or college coaches or any coaches, is if I go back to college, I'm going to get the tests I need. You know, guys are going to play well enough against me in matches that it's not like I wouldn't expect to go into the next season and not lose a single match. You know, <laughs> I, I couldn't do this DBJ and uh, <laughs> I just, when it when it came down to it for me, it was like there's certain small things and differences in the pro game that I'm not going to be able to get away with that maybe if I'm playing college tennis, maybe I do. There's too many matches where I could get away with certain small things. And, like, it's in terms of my development, like, I guess the easy way to say it is if I'm playing – if I'm playing Francis Tiafo in a practice match at the U.S. Open, I know that if I just stay at the baseline and massage the ball around the court and he gets me moving, like, I'm done. Like, I go up to the line to serve and I have a clear plan. Like, I'm either going to serve and volley, I'm going to exploit this. This is how I'm going to get this point right here because I have to. So it's kind of like being able to flip that switch in my mind is what's really important for me. Mm -hmm. I would also say there's no clay courts in college right. tennis, and it wouldn't be the worst thing, I'm sure, for you to go play on clay. And, you know, we have that discussion on our show, and it's a silly one, but we talk about being the guy in college tennis and the pressures that come with that. You know, you're the NCAA singles champion in 2022, and you look at the numbers from that season. Obviously, an incredible year for both you and the Gators. And overall, you go, I think it was, what, 20-4 and four in dual matches, 37-5 and five overall on the year. Um, did you, you know, how did facing that pressure help your development this season? Of Did you feel at all like every match you went into, and not to evoke Stevie J, but it's just like, I feel expected that I need to put a point on the board for the Gators. Like it is expected that, well, we're up one Oh, because we have been at one. Do you feel that at all this year? And did that help your development? Yeah. I, uh, I think that, um, college tennis puts a certain pressure on you that, that pro tennis just doesn't, um, you're playing for something bigger than yourself. That's one. And yeah, uh, being on the Gators, 
playing one for the Gators for a portion of this season, there was definitely a target on my back, on our backs, every match you play. So being able to deal with that pressure is uh, was definitely huge for me. I think one of the one of the biggest things that I was like proud of myself for in the last year was going into NCAs as the was I the one seed? I think you were. Yes, as the one seed. It's it was difficult, you know, and I knew that everyone was coming for me, wanted to beat me bad, was bringing the energy every single time. And coming to the Challenger Tour and the ATP Tour, I feel like I'm that guy chasing right now. You know, like I'm the hunter, but I felt hunted in that uh, NCAA singles tournament. I mean, first match, your boy Styler came out <laughs> like, oh, this guy's going to beat me two and two right now. And my college year is over. I was, he came out firing. So I think it's definitely – important for me to be able to uh keep an edge and uh kind of be that that hunter out on tour my boy styler yeah you know he serves out that first set who knows maybe you're back in 2023 could be a whole different yeah a whole different past six months for ben shelton yeah um all right this feels like the appropriate moment to slip it in you play that quarterfinal match 10 times in your mind how many do the gators win I wish I could describe the smirk on his face. I wish I could describe the smirk on my face for you oh listeners. Oh, my gosh. That was tricky for me. That was tricky. You know, I uh... – They were really good. And to be fair, I was at the national indoor match. Both right. matches were exceptional. Yeah, they were exceptional. I, I'd say I'd say five or six. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's about a 5-5 five, five split. If I'm a Gator, I'm going to say six. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Sam's up 5-2 before the rain comes. Matias. Yeah, that's another good one. Oh. Yeah, it's just – so, I mean, again, what was that rain delay like? Because that was just off-putting, it felt like, for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I think think both teams are feeling it. I mean, the tension, everything. I think that uh, one mistake we made and that we've talked about a little bit is instead of staying in the locker room – chilling, clearing our minds. We went to the indoor courts and we watched the Michigan-Ohio State match. I think that was one thing that just, you know, kind of got us like this. Um, I guess the, the viewers not seeing why. <laughs> but uh, we, we kind of had our eyes open. We were spectators, you know, and we weren't there to be spectators. And uh, I'm guilty of that as well. But I think that that was one mistake that we made. And uh but coming out after, I was actually I was struggling going into the break. So it was it was good for me. I was down a break, and uh, some of the guys were up. But I mean, it was just it was just one of those tough nights. Uh, we had some breaks go bad and doubles, and then obviously some singles matches that turned around quick. And then they had the momentum, and it seemed like when my match flipped, and I finally took that first set. The match was flipping for Virginia on other courts, so it was a it was a tough one to swallow for sure. Um, <clears throat> everyone asks like, "What's better, the team or the singles title?" I was like, "Guys, come on, yeah, come on, yeah." There's even a question like the team titles, something else. But I imagine the fuel you have going into the individuals, and it is so fascinating looking back. That my boy, Styler, uh, did come out so hot in the first set of that first round in singles. And again, looking at the draw and the list of players you played, uh, obviously it was no easy title uh, for you. And, you know, obviously 
to to have have Styler first and Axel and you know Tracy Ferry Walton Holmgren. That's that's a fun draw uh, for anyone to get that first NCAA singles title. Did it help? I'm always curious because, and I don't think you, I mean, I don't think, I know you didn't play the individual in between uh, your freshman year, but did it help to have three days to sort of reset, refocus going into the individual? Yeah, I think so. Um, waking up that next morning, I'm not going to say the motivation was there. <laughs> me, me and Sam Riffis were sharing a room and we were just looking at each other like, dude, like, I can't believe this happened. And like, we're not, we didn't go back over to the site, but we're kind of looking at the live stream. We see an uh, <coughs> SEC team other than us going into the final. And uh, it was definitely tough, tough two days um, sitting around doing nothing while other people were competing, seeing guys who are still in the team competition there after the loss. Everyone's saying, hey, man, tough one the other night. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely a lot of fuel going into the individual tournament and uh we wanted to end the season on on a positive note the reason i ask you is because that said do you like the fact that the individual and the team are played at the same time because i know they're talking about mixing things up and moving the individual to the fall as someone who has played both the team and the individual do and also had success in the all-american which is a fall event for those listeners who don't know would it make more sense uh, sense for all the individual stuff to be in one season, or you know, what's your perspective? So my thoughts are like logistically. Say a guy he wins individuals in the fall, right? Can he just after he does that? One is the U.S. Open wild card still a thing? Two, can he just leave after NCAA individuals and not play the team event? You know, and uh, I'm just I'm just not sure. I, I think that the individual event <clears throat> being at the end of the team season, yeah, people are tired, but also most people are in their best form. They've had their time. Some guys have taken the fall off, but everyone's been with the team for months. Uh, the coach has them in the program that they've wanted to be on for months, and everyone's locked in, and uh, – I think that there's a there's like a vibe around the around the team tournament as it gets to the end and then the individual starting and I like the feel of it. I think it's really cool how they do it. But I mean, I understand the other side too. Um, the ITA wanting to put importance on their fall tournaments and uh, kind of what they can do throughout the fall with the qualifiers leading into the NCA. So I mean, I'm not sure. What are, what are your thoughts on that whole thing? My whole idea is if it moves to the fall, it has to be an event. So I've always hypothesized, what if you had it the second week of the U.S. Open? And that's where you play the NCAA individuals on that scene because you're always looking for filler matches and you can play through the weekend and have offer these extra opportunities. And even if it's not the biggest crowds, I mean, trust me, you go to your first match, you'll enjoy it that much. Um if you're going to move it, it has to be something like that or in partnership with some sort of pro event. Right. It's a lot of tennis, certainly. And I mean, when they play the round of 16 and not just the quarterfinals, and I'm sure it's a little bit different because I guess Orlando's not that far off from Gainesville. But like ask Sam how long he was in Orlando in 2021. You're there for a month. And like it's yeah. cool because you don't pay income taxes, but like it's not great for the athletes. It's not great for the coaches and everyone's burnt out by the end. I get it. 
But you're right. It's just like it's electric. And in particular, it's the first few days because by the finals, it gets a little bit dull. And that is another unfortunate thing. I'm not going to swear twice. I already dropped an F-bomb. I don't need to drop a second one. But it kind of sucks that like by the final, all the players have left. It would be nice if there was a way to ensure that they don't because that's what makes the team final so special. Yeah, I got a question. What percentage of the crowd in that final? You were there at Virginia versus Kentucky, right? Yeah. What percentage of that crowd was coaches and players who were in individuals? Well, Virginia is one of the exceptions to the rules because, A, the entire Pedroso family, and they count as 30, they were there, <laughs> as you know, um, because they just get loud. And, like, you love that. You love that as a tennis fan. Um you know, Virginia alums traveled as well out for the championship, and Champaign's obviously a place that's been kind to them over the years. But that said, and I mean, Orlando was an exception as well because a lot of Gainesville showed up in 2021, right, for that final, and that was really, really fun. Um, you would say 70-30 fans to players, but I'm also – I might be being – that might be some propaganda. It might be closer to 50-50. But there are bodies in the stands. There were. Yeah. I mean, even in your quarterfinal match, you saw that Virginia crowd. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Virginia the Virginia crowd brought it that night. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And they stay till midnight. Oh, man. I got uh, – I mean, this isn't throwing anyone under the bus. I got invited to the Virginia pre-final tailgate. They were like, yeah, come hang out. I was like, I got to call the match. They are like, no, come hang out. I was like, I don't, I don't think I can. But, like – they go. They get after it. So shout out to them. Like a deserving, uh, deserving fan base certainly. But no, I that it's always an interesting thought because yeah, you talk about the wild card as well. I mean, does it carry over to the next year if you play it in the fall, et cetera, et cetera? It does get a little bit tricky. So we'll leave it up to bigger brains than ours, and we can just get back to talking about you and, again, making that transition. I know I was speaking with you beforehand. You're coming to us from Gainesville. The question everyone has on the top of their minds, and I have to give some credit to you. The first thing I would do if I – no, that's not true. But on the list of things I would do if I had now played on a big platform and people knew who I was, if I had a lease I had to get out of, I would tweet it out and be like, hey, people, (laughs) does anyone know someone who can help me get out of this lease? That's like the – that is the smart thing to do. So respecting the game on this side, just so you know, did you get out of your lease and where are you setting up moving forward? Yeah, so uh, I was able to get out of it. Um, they weren't going to let me at first. Uh, I had like a roommate who ended up not coming back for the fall and then they randomly paired me with somebody and it ended up being a guy with two kids. Okay. So I was like, oh, this isn't the ideal living situation for me. So I ended up being able to get out of it. It was terminated. And uh, I'm going to live in a one-bedroom here in Gainesville, uh, set up shop here, spend some time in Orlando as well maybe. Um, but for right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here. I have a pretty good setup here. I can use all the facilities. And, uh, and obviously my dad's here. Um, there's plenty of guys on the team to practice with. So um, I'm not sure what my long-term plan is going to be in terms of uh, my home base. But for right now, I'm staying in Gainesville. Well, that was gets back to you making that decision because I know from a home base perspective, families there, girlfriends there. Obviously, the Gainesville facilities provide you all of these opportunities to continue to develop athletically, tennis-wise as well. And to your point, even without Abdullah, confirmation, denial, nothing from Ben's side. We'll leave it up to the people, I suppose. Um, I tried. I tried, folks. I tried. Um, but 
you have a setup in Gainesville, and uh, and I mean, obviously, it sounds like you're setting up shop there. But was that part of the allure also of coming back to college? Is just you do have this setup, and so is and ultimately, is that why you were like, well, I'll go pro, but I am gonna stay in Gainesville. Right. Yeah. Um. I love it here. Yeah. Um. I enjoy my uh, my school as well. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, I'm in the business school here, and. Uh, so I'm, I'm grinding that out as well, and there's no way that my parents would have let me turn pro and not continue school. So uh, no matter what, I was still going to be taking classes online. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm i happy that it worked out for me to be able to stay here right now and use this as my home base. Um, and, yeah, it's 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 a pretty, pretty good setup. Um, my girlfriend, actually, she just turned pro as well, mm-hmm. uh, track athlete. So uh, she's going to live – in Gainesville and train here too. So we're kind of in similar places right now. It's always a good thing when this guy, when, you know, the life trajectory is in sync, I feel like for a relationship, but, um, how big is that allure? You talk about training in Orlando. Will you hop around a little bit and you know, what is the coaching situation? I know you alluded to it earlier, but what does that look like for you as you're on the road? Yeah. So obviously with my dad being with the team, he can't travel as much. Um, Dean Goldfine is going to help me as much as he can traveling with me to most of my challengers this fall and, and in 2023 as well. And I've been really lucky because, uh, him and my dad are great friends. Uh, they work really well together and they enjoy spending time with each other. So getting them to bounce ideas off each other and talk to each other while I'm on the road with Dean, he's talking to my dad every day. So it's been a great relationship that we've developed and like a really good coaching situation for me. Gym versus tennis. What's the focus on for you right now? Um, I know it's not an either or, but I guess percentages. I'd say right now, um, I'm a little more tennis focused going into this last stretch. Um, these last what five or six challengers. I just switch rackets. Oh, really? To what? So I'm staying. I'm staying with the Yonex racket, okay. um, but it's uh, the E zone, the blue one. Sure, <laughs> the blue yep. one. Yep, I know which one you're talking about now. So thank you. Yeah. So uh, I I'm getting used to that, um, and so I'd say it's a little more tennis than fitness right now. And then after this group of challengers, I'll have a more fitness uh, based training block like November and December. Mm-hmm. Are you playing a lot of matches right now? I'm just, I'm always curious to nerd out a little bit, or is it more drilling development? You talked about the footwork. I'm just curious. Take me behind the scenes. What does that look like? So I'm doing usually two tennis sessions a day. Okay. One, one session will be like specific footwork, um, kind of tra- doing transition stuff, working on my serve and volley, uh, hitting a bunch of returns and uh, then I'll have a session of playing sets with, with the guys on the team. And obviously I'm joining team practices. I'm joining a lot of their sessions. So it's not all about me. Um, so I'm being a team player and uh, some of them had tournaments this weekend. So this week was really set and match play heavy, which is good because I get a bunch of match play against guys who want to tear my head off. So uh, I've had a, I had a lot of good ones this week, this last couple of weeks, some some tight practice sets, but there's some uh, good level being played here in Gainesville. Lucas, get you? No, I didn't. Play. Yes, you did get me actually. <laughs> That's what I needed got, to hear. Got me seven six. 
This uh, is the season. 2023 is going to be a big year for him. Yeah. 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 No, he's playing, he's playing some ball. That's what I like to hear. Um, no, it's always interesting because, and this is just a random note, but, and again, I'm looking at the tennis abstract, so I have it in front of me. You're October 9th. I'm October 6th. But it was the same way in that you would have turned 20 your junior year of college. That's exactly how I was my junior year of college as well. Um, and, you know, it's funny because my sophomore year of college, I grew an extra inch and a half, which was very clutch for me moving forward to get, you know, I'm like a solid 6'2". I feel like that's like, all right, tall, which is just like right. where you want to be. Are you worried about that at all for you as you put on the miles, put on the match play? Like you feel like you're still growing at all? Is that something you factor into your development? I'm not sure. Um, okay. I think I'm close to done. Okay. If I got maybe another half inch and I was a little over – Six four, I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm not expecting any more huge growth spurts. Uh, <laughs> okay. But I guess we'll see. My dad did grow four inches in college, okay. so uh, he was a little bit of a late bloomer. So I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, I think that's definitely something to think about. Um, being a little more of a big body, uh, you gotta you gotta think about your body and uh, physio and things like that. So there's there's a lot of things I'm trying to put in place so I can be the best professional I can. I feel like coach still has one more inch in him as well. Like just one more. Like he also gets to that six, two threshold. And then he's like, I'm good. That's where I need to be We're moving forward. Roman, right? Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> um, no, um, as you look and again, for you moving forward, is it the Knoxville, Charlottesville champagne stretch? Is that the, what the home stretch looks like for you? What's the schedule? Yeah, so for for sure right now I'm going to uh, Tiburon, Fairfield, okay, uh, Vegas, and then after that it's Char- Charlottesville, okay, um, and I guess we'll see. But yeah, I'm planning on Charlottesville, Knoxville, uh, Champagne. That's the last one, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so so that's what I'm planning on, and uh, we'll see how things go. Um, and uh yeah but i think i'll probably just end up staying in the states for the rest of the year i forgot that there was a california swing of challengers now that's all and then vegas as well good that's that's nice to have on the calendar but yeah so you'll stay in the states i mean i feel like six events i know you it's 19 and 8 overall in the year so you know 27 pro matches doesn't sound like that much but then of course you look at the college matches as well and i alluded to that record earlier i think it was what something like um 37 and 5 so 42 plus 27 is 69 total matches over the course of the past year it's a lot of tennis on the body are you feeling it at all um helps to be 19 i'm sure right honestly not okay i i think i did a really good job spreading it out like i went obviously ncas was a lot and I went straight into two challengers after that, which probably wasn't smart. And I was really beat up. But then I took four weeks um, and had rest and then a training block. And then I played uh, Rome, Indy, and Atlanta three in a row. And uh, But then I had another break for a couple weeks before Chicago, Cincinnati, and U.S. Open. So, I mean, I thought that I did a really good job this summer spreading things out, not jumping in there too quickly and just playing every week I could. Um, so my body's feeling pretty good right now going into this last stretch. Big lefty who likes to volley is a hot commodity on the doubles market. 
Are you going to play any doubles then this season? Yes, for sure. Um, I'm definitely a, a big doubles guy. Uh, I mean, I think most guys who have turned pro and uh, went to college are. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like being out there. I have I have fun doing it. I mean, it's it's more prize money, more matches. <laughs> like, sure. you know, it's it's uh, there don't seem to be too many downsides for me. Rather than unless your body is messed up and you you can't play any more tennis but yeah i'm playing in tiburon for sure i already have that set up and then i'll just play it by air going going so are you a free agent a free agent in terms of a doubles partner you're you're partnerless right now uh, yeah man i mean i don't know if chris eubanks would love to hear that but <laughs> <laughs> well it's good i was gonna say do you need a platform to make a pitch for yourself this is your chance why should people play doubles with you I think I think I'll I think I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll figure. I'll all beg. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's a good answer. I accept that answer. Moving forward for you, that makes sense. You talk about playing with Chris and just getting to play at the new, uh, U.S. Open, even in the loss to Nuno. That was as fun of a five-set match as you're going to see in the fortnight. You know, short of Sinner Alcaraz. All due respect to you guys. Um, what was? Talk to me about your time in New York. What was that like for you? Um, it was a lot of fun, you know, being my first tournament as a pro. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, there's a lot going on in New York. It's a, uh, it's a zoo up there. And, uh, I, uh, I had a lot of fun, especially with Chris. He's kind of been one of those guys who's helped me a lot. Um, talked to me, give, gave me a lot of good advice and like someone who just genuinely loves to see me do well. Um, he's kind of like a big brother to me, so I enjoyed being able to play with him in front of some two pretty good, pretty good crowds for doubles matches. So that was a lot of fun. And then, yeah, I mean, having my first uh, main draw experience at a slam go to five was like, okay, I've done it now. Like I've done five sets. So uh, I, uh, I was glad I got to experience that, even though I didn't come out on top. But I mean, it was uh, it was a fun match for me for sure, and that that crowd was ridiculous. Who's Tanner rooting for, you or Nuno? I actually went, went to uh, lunch with him uh, a couple days ago, and he was like, yeah, man, it, it's just tough. So many ties in that match. And, but I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, one could argue the success of Nuno. I mean, that's not why Tanner was what he was. He had so many players along the way. But Nuno was one of the big ones along Tanner's career. So certainly um, you can understand why. It might have been a bit of a conflict for him. Do you feel fit enough in the fifth? Like, what was the biggest takeaway from that experience? Um, I'm not quite fit enough okay. for three hours. Uh, I think that I had to make – like, I lasted, but I had to lot, make a lot of business decisions during that five-set match when, when to pull up and not go as hard because – I didn't believe that I could go that full five sets if I was going full out every point. So that's definitely something to to, to uh, work on. I mean, if you look at like an Alcaraz, when he's playing a five-set match, you're not really seeing points that he's just throwing away and taking off. So uh, there's definitely a lot of room for improvement there. Do you, what are your thoughts on Alcaraz? Just random note, because I, he is what, like five months older than you? Whatever it may be, six months younger. older than you? Or five, he's younger? No. He's oh, yeah, he is. You're right. He's 19. He doesn't turn 20 till next year. You turn 20 this year. Oh, man. Yeah. Good. Yeah, so, I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that his uh, – the completeness of his game 
is uh, is crazy, and you only see him getting better. Um, his coach made an, uh, a comment after U.S. Open, like, yeah, he's playing really good tennis right now, but he's only at six, 60% of his potential. And I think that his mindset is that I'm nowhere near as good as I'm going to be. And I think that's that definitely is going to scare a lot of people, that he's not anywhere where he wants to be. I mean, you could see his love for the game. Uh, my dad was talking about a point. I forget which match it was, but it was it was tight. It was like maybe fourth set and a big point. He goes out for the forehand, the one where he goes onto the ground. Yeah, yep. And he's just looking at his boxer, the camera, and he's smiling. Like, you can just tell how much he loves it in a big moment, a lot of tension, you know. And uh, so that was really cool to see for me. Um, And the type of tennis he plays is obviously something to look at. Um, Anyone who wants to uh, be an all-court player... (laughs) Take the ball early, get to net, be explosive. I mean, it's right there um, to watch. So, I mean, I uh, I enjoy watching him a lot, and hopefully I'll get to play him a, a few times in my career. But, yeah, I think uh, he's also one of, one of the nicest guys for sure. I think it was in the Tiafo match. It was like third set. He was up a break, and it was like, you didn't need to do that. And he was like, yeah, but I, I have to do it. It's like that's just how he's programmed. And no, I mean, it's funny. I think one of my metrics in life, my barometer for success, is like Patrick Mahomes is two months older than me. So I'm always like, all right, I got two months to do what I need to do because, you know, I'm still two months younger than Patrick Mahomes, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if, when you see Alcaraz, 19 years old, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, get your stuff together, Alex. It's time to <laughs> rock and roll. And so, um, obviously, I think you are certainly where you would want to be for if any player you ask them, hey, top 200 as you begin your full-time pro career. That's where you want to be. As you look towards these final months of the 2022 season, you mentioned staying away from the rankings. So then I'll ask you, what would be your metric for a successful ending to this year? Yeah, I think that if I'm playing my best tennis come champagne or whatever the last tournament that I play is, I'll be happy. I want to build throughout these challengers. I want to keep seeing my level go like this. Um, If a product of that is, hey, I'm top 100 at the end of the year, I'm main draw Australian Open, that would obviously be amazing. Or, But there's other things that could happen where I'm still like, this was this was a successful uh, six weeks, two months, whatever it is. And uh, I think it's it's just really important for me that I get a few things straightened out before the end of the year, things that like I've been working on and there's been glimpses over the summer, but things that I can, I can really commit to and I can really start serving and volleying and taking balls early and not just letting them sit and come to me. So there's, there's definitely some things that I'm going to be watching for, for these uh, next tournaments and hope that I can get right. I love to hear that. Well, then I got one more question for you, and I forgot to tell you about this beforehand, but we can just roll into it right now. It is our swing vision. It is our swing vision. That's how you speak that in English. Our swing vision question of the show. Of course, a shout out to our friends at Swing Vision for their continued support of this podcast. Check it out as it is the forefront of all things artificial intelligence happening in the tennis world. You can learn more by clicking on the link to uh, the description of the app in this podcast. Again, I'm going to ask this question better than I did that ad read, Ben, I promised. Our swing vision question of the show for you, and I think it's an easy 
one. You get to replay one match from the last 12 months. Is it the quarterfinal against Virginia or the five-setter against Nuno at the U.S. Open? I think it's a pretty easy answer, but what say Ben Shelton? I'm going to say this with 100% confidence. The quarterfinal against the Cavaliers. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was not. It was a no-brainer. Um, Come on, man. Yeah, there'll be other U.S. Opens. Like we'll get to that. You know, you'll have another shot, right? Exactly. I won't ever get to play a dual match against Virginia again. So that one stings, man. Yeah, I know. Again, hey, don't blame me. Blame our friends at Swing Vision, who we thank right. for their support of this show. <laughs> and yeah, that was just a layup to make sure, you know, the college mind was and heart was still uh, there. I guess I'll throw a bonus one. Expectations for the Gators this year. What should we be ready for? I think that a lot of people have discounted them for this coming year. And I'd say watch out. Um, there's definitely some surprises, you know, and I think that there's uh, there's some guys that are going to step up in a big way who haven't had to in the last few years because, I mean, I've heard on many, many podcasts from you and other people like, man, this Gator team is so deep. Like, if you look at their bench, it's as good as other people's lineups, and uh, now we're really going to see, you know. <laughs> So uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm really happy for a lot of these guys who are seeming to play so well. Will Grant making quarterfinals of a few uh, a few 15Ks this summer and really starting to hit his stride. And uh, Nate Bonetto is still such a raw talent, but, I mean, he's going to be such a good player. That Can I go hot take? Yeah, please. One hot take for me today. Nate Bonetto is going to be a top 100 singles player. That's what I like to hear. That's the take. Throw that into the swing vision question of the day. Leave that in. I like that from you, Ben. It's it big lefty. It's what every coach likes to hear, right? Big lefty. Two volleys, man. Yeah. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like there's not a single coach you'd be like, ah, I don't want that. They'd be like, no, no, no. I'll take that. Yeah, throw it in. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch the Gators compete. Certainly uh, going to be different. I feel like does Axel send a text to all the guys and is like, where'd you all go? Like, was it me? Like, is that why? Is it because you just didn't like me? Um, yeah. Poor guy. I know. I uh, I was – I kind of had to tell – I told everyone on the team before I released it in like a meeting that morning, kind of all of the current guys. And he was kind of sitting there like, another one? They were all like yeah. – Another? <laughs> <laughs> no, again, it's a it's a testament to the success you guys had, and you know I would really start from Crawford all the way through to obviously what this group is accomplishing now. It was a nice five year run, you know, one of those runs we'll certainly remember, and obviously you were a massive part of it, and you know to see the pro success, it's got to be fun. Well, I guess again we're throwing in all the bonus questions. Does the media get tiring? No. Yeah. No, it very doesn't. flattering. I imagine I, my kind of thought. My my thought is I've been doing this for like a month. I, mean, <laughs> I can't imagine Roger in his yeah. career. Like I, so I kind of look at it. And it's all relative, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of guys that are getting it a lot worse than me, and have gotten it for a lot more years than me. So uh, I'm doing okay right now. That's what I like to hear. I think that's the head on the shoulders is why we all expect so much success. But, Ben, always a pleasure. I'll send a text on the day, but happy early birthday, obviously, to you, Thanks. my friend. And uh, good. One question. Please. 
Do we have time for me to ask one thing to you? You've got time for six questions. I'm ready. The two part. Okay. Uh, your NCA team champion for this year. Okay. And, uh, your NCA singles champion for this year. Actually, I'll throw all Americans in there too. Okay, do I have the right to change it come January when I've really dove when we've really done our top 10 before yeah. the ter- before the matches start? What do you call it like the early early take? What do you Yeah, exactly, the preliminary. It's the preliminary yeah. take. It's the pre the, like there's pre-qualifying at the All-American. This is the pre-qualifying take. Right. right. Um I mean the pre-qualifying take is Virginia. You got to show me someone's better than them to beat them because and especially now indoors, do I hate and I'm, this year, I'm making a pledge to stop calling them my Michigan Wolverines because if I'm calling the NCAA tournament, I got to be more impartial. Uh, <laughs> even though everyone like everyone <laughs> seems to accept that it's like – well, it, here's the thing. I went to school there. So it's like everyone gets their one, right? And as long as it's like it's your school, that's your one. That's my logic. Anyways, Michigan at the indoors, I don't hate. There are some eligibility rumors floating around about some teams that we'll talk about as soon as we stop the show. So I'm not quite on them yet. (laughs) Yeah, you like that? Um, (laughs) So um, I don't – I just – I mean, Botzer's back at five. It's like – it's the same top five. And as good as Gianni was, I trust whether it's Kiefer or anyone to fill in at that sixth spot. They'll find a way to get through it. I mean, Kentucky's really good. Um, I think Michigan's really good. I think Ohio State, if the freshmen, you know, Bernard and uh, and Anthrop can fill in, they're right back. That's a fun six. Baylor's young, but they're talented. And then there are the two that are standing out there, Georgia with Quinn. And what about Texas? Like, if Texas is healthy last year, does the whole season look different? Because yeah. I they saw were- that, yeah, they were so good at indoors. And it's like, and then they weren't healthy the rest of the year. Yeah. I mean, they didn't really have their one or two. Yeah, so I would say Vir- – yeah, exactly. Spaziri played with one arm. And so I would go UVA one. The real question is who's two. That's what you're really asking me, which I'm happy to answer. And right. for me right now, it's Texas. Is that fair? Yeah, fair. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah, and by the way, USC is my don't forget about them because they bring back everyone, and they should have beaten Ohio State probably if, if that place is at a neutral uh, site, if that match – that match was at a neutral site so that's my early take individuals i mean the hottest thing since ben shelton is murphy cassone um so that's what people would want me to take i'm not going to i'm team steph always but i'm gonna go spaziri i just i could see the spaziri texas wins the team championship spaziri wins the singles and this early in the season i'm looking for a narrative and i actually think that's the most fun one other than uh, other than other than lucas other than lucas coming back after the first three years and yeah winning the title which is always number one um yes you're all americans pick yeah go for it ethan yeah i mean that's what that's what the people want I'm going to go Steph because it's really hard to beat someone twice in two weeks. And that's sure. why Ethan won too soon. Too soon. But did you get to see Ethan at all this summer? I did. Thoughts? Um, actually, I never watched him in person. Okay. I watched him on like, the TV in the locker room. Sure. Um, the forehand's really special. 
Mm-hmm. It's I, just it's just one of those th- one of those weapons that like you don't see all the time. I see shades of sock. That's what I like when I watch them. I, it's not like the same player, but it's like from a game style perspective, how they impose their will. That's the one that jumps out to me. I see it. I see it. Yeah. Well, my pick for NCAs is the Gators, and my pick for <laughs> All Americans is Lucas Greif, and individuals is Will Grant. So that's how I'm ending this show. Yeah. Wait, what about doubles? Kogan Tatch and Tanapat Narundar and that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Well, Ben, always a pleasure to chat. Be safe, be healthy, good luck, and obviously always welcome back on this show. Thanks, Alex. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with NCAA singles champion, top 200 player, our friend Ben Shelton. Of course, a massive thank you to Ben for taking the time to chat with us, for bringing his own questions to the Cracked Interviews podcast. Always appreciate when a guest comes prepared and likes to flip the script on me, but always enjoy getting the chat to chat with him and obviously wishing him continued success, not only this season, but as he begins what should be an outstanding professional tennis career. Of course, Ben one of many fun conversations we've had of late here on this show. And I know I alluded to them in the intro, but go listen to Alan Perez's story, why college tennis was right for her, how she's managed to thrive with Nicole Melikar Martinez down the home stretch of this 2022 season. A lot of good stuff in that podcast. She's also very, very funny. And I think all of you listeners will enjoy that. You'll enjoy Ryan Harrison, equally humorous. We've had some good talks here, folks. Don't miss out on any episode. Check them all out here on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed, of course, for your daily updates. And yes, I do mean daily. GSP, mini break podcast feeds, the place for all of you listeners. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all this content possible. Shout out as well to our friends again at Swing Vision. To learn more, just click on the link in the description to this podcast. Use our promo code CRACK20 on sign up. With that said, for the fantastic Ben Shelton, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, and from all of us here, at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone.